This is a Federal News Network original podcast. My next guest has figured out how to separate things. Specifically, he's developed technologies for separating carbon dioxide out of power plant smokestack emissions. He's figured out how to separate heavy metals out of water. McMahon Lewis Gray is a physical scientist at the Energy Department's National Energy Technology Laboratory in Pittsburgh and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program, and he joins me now. Mr. Gray, good to have you on. Great to be here. Now, when you do this work, and we'll get into the details of the work, are you starting with a regulatory setting, say this many parts per million in the water or the air, and then figuring out a way to get there? Or are you trying to push the limits of what's possible with these technologies? Everything is driven by regulations. Um, Air emissions are let it be water quality. So you're always trying to meet some type of standard that EPA has um, set up for us. So, um, like, for example, it could be 100 parts per billion for lead or something like that in the water. So we would shoot to get the material uh, that will get it below that. Uh, In most of the cases, the materials we develop can remove 99% of heavy metals from water. And... um, so those are the types of things that we kind of work on here at NETL. Now, when a regulation is coming out, it's incumbent on industry to meet it, but it sounds like you don't leave it fully to industry to figure out how to do it. Do you work in concert with, with the uh, affected regulated industries? Yeah, if you if you watch most of the uh, technologies, you know, that come out and related to environmental and in, uh, in relationship to industries are always driven by the regulations. So typically... If you go back to flue gas emissions, um, once the flue gas emissions were set by the government, then the companies are forced to meet that limit. So typically, most of the things that we regulate is try to stay in front of the regulations before they come out to ease the uh, commercial strain of trying to get into some of these materials uh, into effect, you know, to meet the re- regulations. A lot of times, companies do not spend uh, extensive uh, research money uh, in these types of applications. So the government um, begins to to do some of the high-risk research for the industry, and then once we develop it, we commercialize it and patent it through license to uh, commercial industries. So that's typically how that works. Got it. And when you are, say, developing, I call it a smokestack, I guess it's more accurate to call it a flu. Hopefully too much smoke doesn't come out anymore. What kinds of facilities do you have to recreate conditions that you might find at the top of one of those tall stacks? We have different type of um, laboratory uh, instruments that we use on a small scale. We're in the process of uh, beginning a flue gas testing for CO2 removal in actually in Brazil, uh, where we're going to test it in a 100-kilowatt reactor. So you begin to stage the materials up, um, you know, from the bench scale uh, to pilot scale to hand over to um, a commercial company. And so typically that's the way that's done. And so what, you start off in a lab, and then we uh, take it to the uh, pilot scale, and then once we demonstrate it to the pilot scale, we, we get commercial partners then. And for removing CO2 from flu emissions, what does the thing look like? Is it like something that sits on top of the stack, or is it something that sits in the middle of it or down somewhere? What What are we talking about physically? I mean, it's actually, it's actually once we deploy some of this. Now, the CO2 industry right now is being done what they call with a liquid amine system. So you actually build another plant beside the utility plant to capture CO2. So what we're doing and hoping with our absorbents and other materials that we're developing, uh, membranes, to reduce the fingerprint size of the plant that will be set beside the pilot plant. So you actually have two plants sitting beside 
each other. Um, one is like making steel or um, generating electricity. You actually have a capture plant right beside it. And when it comes to water, say, what? Uh, how do you? Well, you must have dirty water to play with to be able to find out what you can remove from it. Most times, we will go out and get different various samples. Let's say, for example, we went on got an acid mine drainage sample that is runoff from a, a abandoned coal mine. Um, we would take that material and uh, begin to look at that material and run it through our system, and we're able to get actually out of a coal. Uh, waste product, SMI drainage, we're actually able to get uh, precious metals out, the rare earth elements. Uh, rare earth elements are used in everything that we use as far as le- electronically in other industries, so it's a very important uh, metal for us to get. We're actually uh, able to get it from a wastewater stream from wow. a coal mine. And by the way, since you are in Pittsburgh, how is the water quality these days in the Allegheny and the Monongahela? Um it's it's a lot cleaner from from when it was when the industry um, was uh, was here. But if you look throughout the United States, you know there is this accumulation right now of metals being um, accumulated into our system because the current systems that use a physical type of extraction are not able to keep up with it. So eventually, um, I believe that most of the waters uh, within the United States and the world are going to be challenged if we don't get an effective system of removing all of the metals out of the water. Uh, we have developed um, technologies now working with a company. Um, it's called PQ Inc. Uh, they licensed the first patent, and they're starting to deploy um, the materials. Uh, actually, internationally, they just filed international patents to start deploying our materials out to uh, get heavy metals and precious metals from different from various industrial water streams. We're speaking with McMahon Lewis Gray. He's a physical scientist at the Energy Department's National Energy Technology Laboratory in Pittsburgh. He's also a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. And tell us about yourself. How did you come to this type of work, and how long have you been with the federal government? Uh, I've been with the federal government now 34 years. I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh back in 1980. I'm a research chemist. Um, we have uh, been working in fuel-related products for the 34 years. Uh, just recently, I've just started about maybe five years ago working in the water applications, uh, working looking at uh, coal wastewaters and things like that. Uh, because again, the government will, um, you know, place uh, regulations on waters that were coming from coal plants. So, again, we're trying to stay ahead of the regulations, develop materials for that. And we also worked on the CO2 capture probably almost 15 years now. So um, those are the two areas that I'm most recently working in right now, both in gas emission and water uh, purification systems. Safe to say that you grew up in and around Pittsburgh? Yes. I grew up here in Pittsburgh. Went to West Towns High School, went to University of Pittsburgh, haven't left since I've been here, since I was five years old. I was born in Chester, South Carolina. So having grown up in Pittsburgh, you can probably remember the days at the end of the industrial era or the steel era in Pittsburgh when you could have seen skies filled with smoke and smog from steel mills and the rivers weren't too clean either in those days. Is that part of what inspired you? Yes, I've always been interested in uh, science uh, from, a, from a young kid. Uh, so 
you're right about, you know, things are getting a lot better. It's not anything like the still city that it used to be. Um, our rivers are, you know, a lot cleaner. Of course, the emissions are, are, are way down. So it was just uh, through my interest in science, and I just believe that we should be good stewards of the earth. And so working here at the Department of Energy gave me an opportunity to develop both absorbent that can capture CO2 from flue gas and develop another absorbent that can clean various industrial streams for the capture of those rare earth elements, heavy metals, from liquid streams. So we've been very successful at doing that particular work. We also just recently found out, too, that we're able to capture uh, radioactive materials, too, which is also a bigger problem uh, out in the West uh, where they might be monitoring different types of nuclear plants and things like that. Um, there's always a trace elements of these materials in all of the water, and we just found out that we can capture 99% of uranium out of water. So um, we're really pushing the limit when it comes to looking at various environmental uh, processes for both giving us clean air and uh, cleaner water streams. Plenty of challenges ahead then. Oh, of course, yeah. Wouldn't it? The, uh, like I said, we, we do most of the things here at the uh, lab scale. We always look for commercial partners for the commercial deployment of all of these technologies. The government is not allowed to commercialize any type of processes. So, again, we have to partner with uh, industry to deploy these um, different processes that we're developing here at NETO. Mac Gray is a physical scientist at the Energy Department's National Energy Technology Laboratory in Pittsburgh and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.